Binge the full week of The Ray Taylor Show ad-free over at InspiredDisorder.com slash plus. This is The Ray Taylor Show. The Midnight Club, Season 1, Episode 8, Road to Nowhere, is the episode I will be talking about and spoiling in this episode. Uh, so if you have not watched Episode 8 of The Midnight Club, I would highly recommend checking it out. On Netflix. If you already have, or if you don't mind being spoiled, then welcome. And let's get into this episode. As we left off in the previous episode, Ilanka, uh, being uh, kind of uh, scared by the old lady, appeared in her bedroom. She ran into the bathroom. An old man appeared in the mirror of the medicine cabinet, and uh, she passed out. Now, before I get into this episode, I should say this episode is uh, it's going to be a story. Natsuki tells a story in this episode. So she is the one who wrote the story Road to Nowhere, which is the story she was talking to her friend, Rachel. I don't know. The one one of the kid, the kid that died very early on in the season. We didn't get to know, but she was in the recovery room. And there was the scene, I believe there's two separate scenes so far in the series where Natsuki was talking about the story that she was working on. And that is the story that she tells in this episode. So we're getting uh, to know more about Natsuki also with her relationship with Amesh uh, as part of this episode. We have Alanka, of course, still trying to, since hearing the news that somebody is potentially cured... She is back on the horse, as it were. Her confirmation bias is strong again. Her assumptions that this ritual is doing its job. Uh, So we get continuation of that, as we do in every episode. We also get uh, part of this episode is Spence confronting his mom, uh, along with Mark and uh, Sherry. So those are the different components of this episode, I'll talk about them separately instead of how the the, the episode itself kind of lays out all of the different storylines. Uh, but I will start with the Alonka storyline, uh, since that is how we left off the last episode and how we start this episode, where she passed out in her bathroom this episode. She wakes up in her bathroom, so thankfully... Uh, she, you know, not lost. Nobody had to break in to get to her. Uh, but she wakes up, and the old lady and the man are still there. And they're calling her sweetheart and darling. So it's like, even though these ghosts clearly scary, in the last episode, running away from them into the bathroom, but they don't seem to be trying to scare her. They are, you know, calling her sweetheart and darling, Kind of as if they were her grandparents as potential. I mean, I doubt it. They're the the wrong race to be her grandparents. But they don't seem to be trying to scare her. Despite the fact that they are scary because they look like... uh, They're like almost zombie-ish in some ways. Like there's definitely some degeneration of the skin, some some uh decomposition of uh their their uh, biological bodies in this ghost realm um so still scary but so she wakes up she goes to Stanton's office obviously to confront her to ask her because Alanka has no problems 
finding out the information. She is definitely a driven person. And despite the fact that in the last episode she had the realization that she should have spent her time with Anya differently and she should have basically, in other words, taken the advice of Dr. Stanton, uh, she again is butting heads and going against Dr. Stanton in this trying to find out who this person is she overheard her and doctors like i really should consider locking you people in your rooms because this is ridiculous and uh so not doing the club any favors is alonka going confronting dr stanton uh but of course she doesn't want to tell alonka who it is because it's not a hundred percent she's still waiting for confirmation and she's telling alonka that it would be hell if she went and told the people, anybody, that they might be cured, especially if it's wrong. Like, nobody wants to get that false hope, and she reminds her of how it felt when she first heard about this her illness and how everybody must have felt when they first heard that they, they had this illness. And to only give them some false hope that would force them to again relive the reality that there is no hope and that they are going to die inevitably as every human is but to die as a child um and to have that shortened life is definitely depressing especially knowing that the end is closer than it should be that that knowledge that you aren't going to potentially there is no potential for you to live into a, a ripe old age uh so trying to again reason with alonka doesn't seem to be you know helping trying to say you need to keep this a secret right you can't i know you're it's going to be hard the hardest thing you've ever had to do it's very hard to be sitting across for somebody and you know some information and not being able to tell it uh, especially since they go to group, they do the story thing. There's a lot of situations where, I mean, these people have no real family in a lot of cases or are not close with their family. And their fellow house guests in this place in Brightcliff are the only family in a lot of cases they have. The last family in a lot of cases they will have. So to have to keep a secret from them is uh, very, very difficult and uh you know she does ask if it's her stanton says no alonka obviously doesn't believe that right because that's what she wants she wants she the whole reason she went to brightcliff is to find out why julia jane who had the exact same cancer as her who disappeared came back and was no longer had cancer right whether she was misdiagnosed we don't know whether this ritual that she found in Athena's diary uh, that Stanton burned in the last episode, if that, the ritual was what did it, who knows? Alonka is of the assumption, as she was in the beginning of two episodes ago, the last episode was kind of a little brief moment where she regretted having that as a... 100% guaranteed this is going to work. She's back again with the confirmation bias of it all. 
assuming that the ritual did work, right? And this is, in her mind, this is confirmation, right? Correlation is causation for Alanka in this situation, which is not necessarily how it works. The fact that somebody is no, lo has no longer has signs of cancer is not proof that this one thing you did worked. Which the one thing you did wasn't even intending to work on the person that supposedly no longer has cancer. It was specifically done to heal Anya. Did not work. So to think that it accidentally worked on somebody else who participated in the in the ritual is you know this is just a leap that she is taking a leap of faith that she is taking uh cut to of course they are at group and uh stanton's talking that we need to be open and honest if, if you if you want me to she hasn't decided if she wants to open up the library again for them to use as club for club despite the fact that she knows that it exists that she prepares the library for midnight club that it is something that is a, a big part of brightcliff the kids that get together for midnight club and tell their stories they bring life to the building uh by doing that but she is not you know she needs to regain she needs to regain her trust in them and of course Alanka butting heads again. It's like, oh, you want us to be open and honest with you? Obviously knowing that Stanton has a secret. But, uh, you know, she, she kind of leaves in a huff uh, and uh, runs into Kevin. Kevin knows something is wrong. He thinks it's because he pulled away when she tried to kiss him. He apologizes again. It's like, listen, I'm sorry. I know it's weird, whatever, whatever. And she's like, no, 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 whatever. And he knows that there's something wrong. And he's like, just tell me. I can see it. You're horrible at keeping secrets. It's all over your face. It's clear that you're upset with something and angry, not just upset, like emotional that Anya's dead, but angry. Like there is there is a different kind of emotion behind what's what's in her face. So she tells, of course, tells Kevin and Kevin being the rational person who has you know, in some ways, uh, more so trying to l bring logic to the visions that people are having or the shadows and constantly describing those things as, I mean, in a lot of ways he is doing the same thing. He has a confirmation bias, just using the drugs and their, their state mentally as an excuse for why those things are happening. But he is definitely trying to be, I guess, the devil's advocate in some ways. He's trying to be the counter-argument to Alonka's steadfast belief that this ritual is working, which she tells him. It's like, listen, it worked. Clearly it worked. It's like, that is not proof that it worked. Like, there's not even proof that she's necessarily, there's no confirmation that anybody's been healed, first off. And second off, there's like an infinite amount of reasoning to make this reality a thing. And the only explanation that you want to go with, because it serves what you've been trying to prove, doesn't necessarily mean it's right. Doesn't mean that this ritual cured somebody inadvertently, despite the 
ritual specifically being used to try and cure Anya, which clearly it didn't work because Anya's dead. But Kevin's also very supportive. So he's trying to give the opposing argument to Alanka, which is his common thing. Who knows? You know, it's like we don't, you know, we don't know, which is true. We don't know. Right. He's he's. He's giving her the complete and utter infinite reasoning of anything is possible rather than having to be this ritual. But she's, you know, of course, she's she's determined. She's determined. Um, so she leaves. She's like, I'm going to go. She's like, there's there's other people that know. Like, she's going to go talk to Shasta because Shasta is the one that supports her viewpoints, right? Of course, she's going to surround herself with the people and get advice from the people who hold the same assumptions as her, right? And Shasta is shown to know this ritual. She gave her all the information to perform the ritual. She gave her blood to be the fifth sister in the ritual. So, of course, she's going to go. She doesn't want to talk to Kevin. Kevin's going to try and do it logically trying to talk her out of it obviously dr stanton is the complete opposite end of the spectrum that she is butting heads with again so of course she's going to go to the person that confirms her bias the one that supports her and also shasta the one who's pumping her ego like crazy you're so smart you're so intelligent you're the per like she she is constantly just just feeding Alonka's ego constantly and clearly knows way more than she's leading on, right? She knew about the diary. She knew everything about the ritual, right? She has this wellness company. She thinks that this area is magical. Like, there is so much to Shasta that is clearly unexposed and we have not seen yet. Uh, but she goes to Shasta, and, of course, Shasta's like, oh, you know, of course... I, you think it's you. You think you're the one that's healed. I could see it, the light. You know, you always had a light, but it's shining really bright. Like using, like she is a salesman, right? She is saying all of the things that Alonka wants to hear in order to get Alonka on her side to agree with her that, so that she can easily sell her on more ideas to bring her down this rabbit hole that clearly Shasta has experience with. And in some ways has devoted her life. She has the tattoo. She's in the area. She knows all about these things. Not as crazy as the Paragon, but that is, remains to be seen. Especially in this episode, we see how how c closer they are to being a, the Paragon than than for than earlier led on. Uh, but she knows, of course. Alanka thinks it's her. Uh, and then she goes and shows her more about the good humor company that she she runs like this homeopathic supplement type of alternative care type of company that she's running and she's telling her you know why we call it good humor and alanka assumes oh because laughter is the best medicine she's like no actually in ancient greece there was a belief that there were different types of humors that there the humors in your body these elements in your body and if they are imbalanced then that that leads to health and the different humor the humor the different elements of your body that your blood your phlegm yellow bile and black bile 
and it's thought that black bile is what causes cancer. And it's like, okay, right? Not to say that people's the way people thought of and and would believe in science isn't wrong or it just is wrong because it's old but you know in things that are correct like these myths and these 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 very fantasful ways of explaining science and medicine if there were truth to that then you would see correlation within science like science would then be able to back those things up and there will be corollaries between that, right? Like there's a lot of stories of, of history which you can tie to, pr you can prove the, a lot of the elements of old stories by what happened using science, what happened to the earth using science, what happened to people using science, right? But just to believe something because it's old doesn't mean it's right, right? Just believing a story because it fits your narrative doesn't make it's right. Doesn't mean it's right. But that's kind of what her the good humor is. It's the good elements of your body, and she's even showing that uh, they're adding bile because it smells horrible. They're adding bile to their supplements, and she tells Alanka, "Don't worry, those are for us to experiment on ourselves because we are." definitely not a paragon cult right we are just the good humor people right so they're not in all the supplements that we're selling i swear you're just gonna have to take her her uh her word on that but the supplements that they use they are adding in bile to give them complete wellness and she's telling alanka that brightcliff sits on a nexus like this magical point, which she says, you know, the, the basement is kind of the, the epicenter of that. And that's why they were doing those rituals there, because it's this special geographical place that is very special and holds a lot of power. And she and because Stanton won't won't let her uh, sh she won't share that area. That's why she got the location. It's the closest she could get to that the nexus point as she could, right? Because because Stanton is the one who's not who's not willing to share. She's not willing to share her property with us. Right. And uh she even invites Alonka in the whole ego pumping that she's doing, all in this in this like salesmanship that she's doing. She's trying to encourage Alonka to join their business that's not a cult right like yeah you're you're you you're so intelligent and you know exactly what we're all about and you can help us and and we won't judge you and you can join our not cult and uh she's like well you, you can think about it you can think about it and she's like so that journal that athena's journal you found i want to see that I want to see that. She's like, oh, Stanton has it, which we saw in the last episode while she was smoking the joint. Stanton threw that diary in the fire. So it's not does not exist anymore. Athena's I believe it was Athena's diary. But then Julia Jane's roster or diary uh, that sh I believe still exists because she only burned the, the one that had the hourglass on it. But she doesn't know that, obviously. 
neither of them know that. But uh, she's like, you should get that for me. So they're going to conspire now to get... She's clearly trying to recruit Alonka. She's trying to conspire with Alonka to get this diary that she says is going to help them, help her perfect this magic that she's doing with the humors. And she's like, of course. And she's, you know, she's on the same side. She's validating all of Alonka's assumptions. She's validating the confirmation bias that Alonka has, that the assumption that these ritual the ritual she did she did it. it she she balanced the the humors for for somebody it worked see that's proof right that's proof something happened so you can just just tie it to that why not tie it because that's how conspiracy theories work and now they're conspiring to get that book back that doesn't exist that's been burnt up or maybe it'll magically appear right we'll see to the extent magic exists in this reality but uh, so anyway, so they're conspiring. Let's take a little break from the show to promote. I figured out a way on my website to offer prints for every single painting. So if you go to a painting, you can buy the original painting or you can buy a print for everything. Artwork that you don't want to spend $100 plus on 9 by 12 inch ink painting on paper. $100 for the original one of a kind piece of artwork. Paintings range in price depending on their size. The 8 by 10 print, $20 available in the store at inspireddisorder.com and now let's get back to the show and then later on stanton gets a phone call confirming that a girl is no longer shows signs of the cancer so we don't know who it is still but it is a girl right so it could be alonka it could be uh sherry it could be sandra obviously it's not anya that would be horrible if it was like the 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 reports came back turned out anya didn't have cancer uh she died because uh this other infection and then you just made it worse by taking that would be horrible obvious spoilers that's not what happens but it is clear that it is one of the girls one of the women that are in bright cliff are are the ones that have uh are clear so she's going to be sent over her file uh, so she can check it out. But she, got, she gets that call confirming. So we don't find out in this episode. So assuming next episode, uh, we find out. But that's pretty much what happens. There is a little bit more after the story that happens with Alonka. But that's most of Alonka's story in this episode. Uh, when it comes to Spence, we see him getting a haircut from Sherry. And, you know, again talking about you know that she offered to give him a haircut that she used to give uh haircuts to the boys at boarding school and how it's just one of the many stories that she tells that she, he's not sure if it's real if it's true right and she could have just made that up because she felt like cutting his hair and that was how she would convince him to do it she's like listen if you're if you don't know when i'm telling the truth and you're not paying attention i think it's pretty i mean Aside from everybody saying that she lies about everything, it really feels like she is a genuine person. I mean, she clearly loves all of the people there. Um, and despite not necessarily participating directly, she is always kind of just outside. You know, she hasn't told any stories yet at Midnight Club. 
she, she you know she wasn't participating in folding the paper cranes but she you know she offers the ambience she got Amish the PlayStation before it got released she got Alanka the wig by a, a world-class wig maker like she clearly has connections she clearly loves these people that she's at Brightcliff with and because her stories sound crazy only really serves to confirm the fact that that's why her parents don't show up that's why she just gets these gifts that she does have parents that are clearly more interested in their major careers than they are of her daughter and that's one of the things they talk about spence and her where spence is like giving her props he's like asking her first off about the sacrifice she made at the ritual those love letters between her and this girl He's like, is that true? Do you, were you really into her? It's like, oh, so you, you're gay like me. And what was it like coming out? He's trying to get to know more. And, and of course, she's like, oh, my parents didn't, you know, they didn't care. And he's like, oh, that's brave. That's brave. Because, of course, his relationship obviously has no relationship with his mom. To the point where his mom doesn't even show up to family day. She makes excuses not to show up. To see her son who is slowly dying. Like she is so devout in her faith that she not only will cut him out of her life, but views him because of the religion she's indoctrinated into, views him as like he is demonized because of his lifestyle. That the the disease that he got, the disease of AIDS, was a punishment for God for living that lifestyle. That's what a lot of Christians believe, right? Because they love to demonize people. They love to put targets on their enemy because they love to have enemies. They love to throw stones. They love to judge people. They love to do all of the things the book that they supposedly worship told them not to do, right? Love others as yourself, right? No, that's... Like, there's always, as we saw in the other Mike Flanagan miniseries, Midnight Mass, there's always a justification in the Bible for whatever you want to do. No matter how, like, if you want to kill somebody, there is a passage that Miss Keene's character in, the, in, in Midnight Mass could quote to justify your actions doing anything. Um, but because of Spence, he's like, oh, you know, and she's... He's got respect for her. Like, oh, you came out. That's so brave. You're the brave one. She's like, no, no, you're the brave one. I could have told my parents I was addicted to heroin, and they wouldn't care. Like, when I told them, I don't even know if they heard me, right? That she, she barely exists in the world of her parents as it is. Like, they could care less what she was into or what was happening to her. And that, again, only goes to confirm, like, if she was in a boarding school, obviously, right? parents ship her off they don't want to deal with their kid right they don't show up to fam like they're they're clearly showing that sherry is just a burden that they at no point wanted to take responsibility for so in that in that instance you know she's telling spence it's like now you you were the real brave one because it meant something Right. I mean, bad things happen. You no longer have this relationship with your mom, but you it was a bigger hill to climb to come out to them. It was way more at stake with you doing it. So he's the one with the real courage. And uh, 
so she has an idea. They go down. They talk to Mark, right? The, the only other uh, person who would understand coming out to your parents. And Spence is nervous, asking him for the favor. And Mark can tell this is weird. What's going on? Just tell me. And Sherry steps up. She's like, we need you to take us on a ride because Spence wants to do something. So Mark drives them to Spence's parents' house where he goes in to talk to his mom, to confront his mom, to say the things he wants to say to her uh, because he hasn't had the chance and hasn't had the, the, the bravery to do, right? And, of course, she's sitting on the couch watching some preacher on TV saying that, you know, this person was sinning and that is why they they are in trouble right they didn't give them themselves to the lord like just you know more christian propaganda somebody training their sheep how to hate people how to judge people how to label demonize them and label them as uh evil people and uh you know his dad when he answers the door is like are you want to do this so he goes in and he's like just listen, I've been, prepare, I've been preparing what I'm going to say for a while, so I just want to get through this. And then afterwards, if you want to say anything, you could say, but I just need to get through this. And he basically tells her, you know, I'm dying, right? This is, gonna, I'm going to die, right? And recently, Anya died, this woman that I'm in Brightcliff with, and she had no family. We were enough for her. Right. And if that's what happens with me, those people are enough for me. Right. If you're not going to be my family, if you choose to continue believing that I am some abomination, that I have been been damned with this disease as punishment by God because of my lifestyle, then that's what it is. Right. And that, you know, she should love him. He's not going to change who he is. This is who he is. And if she's going to love him, she has to ex love him unconditionally. Right? He, she can't just choose to love him if he lives his life a certain way. She has to show him if that's what she wants, that's what she needs to do. Right? Which is like the teachings of that religion are to love people unconditionally. Which is interesting how often they, they do the opposite. So he gets through his thing, gives her a kiss, and then he walks out. And, uh, you know, he tells her that he loves her as he gives her the kiss. And, uh, you know, he tells her that you can ignore me until I die or you can love me until I die. And that's up to you, right? Obviously, she's been ignoring him. But it's up to her if she wants to choose to be part of his life before he, he dies. That's on her. He's, gonna, he's done with it because the people that he's at Brightcliff with are enough for him. He doesn't need a family if this is how they're going to treat him. So he tells him he loves, gives her a kiss on the lip, and then goes. He leaves. And then they get back to Brightcliff. Mark's like, you haven't been talking the whole ride home, so I just need to know you're okay before you go upstairs or whatever. And he's like, yeah, you know, I'm good. Sherry's like, would you do it again if you had to? And he's like, yeah. She's like, well, that's how you know 
you did the right thing. And then uh, she's proud of him, obviously. Sherry's the best, man. Like, I believe, like, so far, I don't really think she's lied, really, about anything. I That I can tell everything seems to fit with the fact that her parents are these people and that's why she had it makes every it makes all of the sense in the world and it's also clear that she like i don't know why she would lie to them when she clearly cares so much about all of them right even alanka who's brand new amish spence clearly and like so selfless too right she's not trying to like get praise from the things she's doing she's just utilizing the connections she has to do these special things for the people in her life like she is really the best person i would say in this entire show like just pure pure hearted person and you know she's proud of she's proud of uh spence as is mark he gives mark mark a handshake and then spence is like i'm gonna go and i'm just gonna fantasize that i'm hanging out with my community of people and that we're having a great time and that it just ends up us dancing together. You know, we're clearly showing that he, it is something missing from his life that he's never really had that community of people that understand him. Right. Other than obviously Mark and Sherry, you know, he doesn't have that community of people that are, you know, like-minded and he can, you know, bond with, although now he has two more, but, so he goes upstairs. That's the end of that chunk of the, the this episode. Let's take a little break from the show to promote the benefits of Inspired Disorder Plus. So you go inspireddisorder.com slash plus. Sign up, $5 a month. You get to binge the full week of The Ray Taylor Show ad-free. You get to watch all of the live painting videos I do. You get a special members-only discount and deals for all of the artwork and merch that I sell. You also get the complete podcast back catalog of every podcast I've ever produced, hundreds of episodes, countless different podcasts you also get access to my personal blog a new blog comes out every week in addition to that you get my creative writing that i'm releasing you also get access to asking me anything 14 years of experience podcasting i've been creating art my entire life i've been using photoshop since middle school and you can contact me to ask me questions about that or anything else so those are the benefits for signing up for inspired disorder plus and now let's get back to the show. And now we have Amish and Natsuki, which I realize I'm saying it wrong. All of the characters call her Natsuki. I the way it's spelled, it's Natsuki. I don't know if that's just the nickname, the way they call her, but I'm just going to I'm not going to change. I'm going to acknowledge that I'm saying it differently than everybody says it in the show. They call her Natsuki. I'm calling her Natsuki. And uh, anyway, Amesh and her, he's, he goes, Amesh goes into, the, into Mark's uh, office to get a checkup, to get a bag of vitamins. They joke about, oh, uh, like, is the sangria ready? And he's like, oh, you know, we actually had to change that because the fruit gets caught in the line. She's like, oh, well, I'll just take a rosé. Uh, but he's getting a, a bag, an IV bag of vitamins because he wants to go on a walk with Natsuki, who he has clearly started a thing with. And while going to sit on the table to get this IV, 
he stumbles and playing it off continuing to joke it's like oh i'm getting into physical humor and mark's like you know it doesn't do me any good it doesn't do you any good to not tell me the truth like to tell me that you have new symptoms or that the the medication isn't working right which of course is something that none of them want to they're clearly going to be in denial of at first you know spence getting these growths on his arm we saw in a previous episode how his medication isn't quite working yet but mark giving him hope like listen there's it's potentially like it's not over yet like it's not over till it's over right you got to keep going until the very end because you never know what can happen right miracles do happen but you can't unlike what alonka is trying to do maybe we'll see what this show ends up being but you can't like manifest a miracle right but miracles do have crazy things happen in reality and you need to be around to allow those crazy things to happen um but he does he is concerned but amish not really willing to open up just kind of playing it off that he's uh he's adopted these new uh falls as a means to entertain which obviously is bullshit uh so he gets the vitamins, goes to visit Natsuki, knocks on her door, and she opens the door, and he's like, hey, I thought we'd go on a walk. She's like, I, I kind of feel like staying in today. And he's like, okay, yeah, we can stay. And he's like, I actually like want to be alone. Right? She's she dealt with depression. She In the last episode, I think it last or two episodes ago, whenever Amish's death day was, uh, she was dealing with depression, talked about her clinical depression, when you know obviously rachel died i believe it's rachel the girl from the she was telling the story to uh, earlier in the the season also when anya died dealing with depression over that so it's like clearly she's dealing with depression part of that is you know seclusion and amish is trying to be a good guy about it right he's there i mean all these kids are great uh but he's like okay you want to be alone that's fine what i'll do i'll just get my book and i'll just post up right outside your door if you need anything i'll be your concierge i'll get it done and she's like will you please not do that that's super creepy like like just uh, you know i just want to be left alone and you know and he kind of takes that personally but doesn't necessarily show it he thinks it's about him but it's clearly she's dealing with depression she just kind of wants to be alone and uh so he leaves her alone um so later on midnight he's waiting outside of her door for her to come out for midnight club alonka shows up sees him outside and asking if they should wait for her and he's like i don't think she's gonna come so they end up going to midnight club where they find out that the door is locked so clearly stanton hasn't decided yet whether she's going to allow them to continue using the library for their club uh, so no club tonight, which Spence is okay with because he's tired. He's had an emotional day. Uh, Amesh says he's just going to use this time to go on a walk, right? Because he's got some things to think about because he doesn't know what's going on with Natsuki. On his walk through Brightcliff, he runs into Natsuki. She's like saying she was going on uh, the, the scenic route to the library. And uh, she finds out that doors are locked, so there's no club. And Amesh is like, listen, I know if 
the best thing to do if you're not happy like we can you can dump me and it's like i understand we don't have much time left so it's like it makes sense to do it and she's like no 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 it's not you so clearly he was taking it personally that like she didn't want to be around him because she didn't want to be with him but she's telling him that, that that's not it that is she's been having a hard time dealing with Anya having depression and she was actually hoping hoping to tell the story that she's been working on during club because it's something she wants to let him in and she's like well you you want me can I tell you the story I was going to tell tonight so they end up going back to her bedroom fireplace going in her bedroom right and uh she apologizes for hiding and that she wants to let him in, right? She wants to let him into more of what's going on with her and her life and just about her and why things are, why she is just, I mean, as we find out with all of the stories that these kids tell, that it illuminates aspects of their life, things that they don't necessarily want to talk about. We found out a lot about Anya in her story, a lot of things that were true about ballet, throwing her life away, losing the best friend, all of those things. We find out about the types of pressure that puts on that his mom puts on Kevin trying to fulfill these these goals and to and to, you know, make their family name good again. Right. We get these these aspects of these different people in these different these kids telling aspects of themselves through the stories that they tell and that's why she wanted to tell him this story to let him in so he holds her hand and he tells her i'm listening and uh there's no toast so i'll just do the toast because as it is tradition this is only the second episode where nobody is saying a toast but she is going to be telling a story, and since they didn't do it, I will take it upon myself to do the toast to those before and to those after, to us now and to those beyond, seen or unseen, here but not here. So this story is Road to Nowhere. The lead character is Teresa. And this is the story she was talking about to her friend through the intercom of the recovery room. Uh, so Teresa, she's a tough, she's a tough girl, but she's complicated, right? She's hard to get to know, as is Natsuki. Um, but it was a tough night for her, and she just had to get away. She needed to get away, uh, and she takes, uh, she she uh, gets in the car, and we see the keychain that she sacrificed during Anya's ritual, right? The thing she put in from the car, the, the car thing that happened that she almost didn't survive. This is a story clearly that's going to illuminate that uh, a bit more, give context to that. Uh, but she gets in the car. She's got that, got that big keychain of all those knickknacks on it. And, uh, she drives, which in my past, driving was a thing. I had uh, was in a relationship, and I deal with depression a lot. And my girlfriend at the time would 
when she saw that she would take me on drives at and they were usually at night and we would just drive just drive and the way this looks in the show dark road foggy there were definitely nights where my girlfriend's driving i'm in the passenger seat and i'm just like just dead you know depressed staring out the window looking at the the foggy i mean i was in san diego this is like she's driving through some kind of forest looks like uh pacific northwest but right so i i relate to this i also obviously relate to natsuki in a lot of ways dealing with severe depression and uh i don't have the kind of medical care that she's receiving but uh i still you know relate to a lot of it and this story specifically uh so she gets in she's driving down dark foggy road uh she's got a tank of gas she turns on the music loud and she's just driving she sees a guy in the in the middle of the street she has to slam on the brakes not to hit him this dude older dude standing with a guitar you know asking for a ride knock on her window there's a woman there who also has a guitar she's asking for a ride you mind us giving us a ride asking kind of what direction she's going in she's like i don't really you know whatever they have a gig it's like could we ride she's like fuck it get in right so they introduce themselves. The guy's name is Freedom Jack, and the woman's name is Poppycorn, which I believe are the same names that she used when she was telling her friend through the intercom. And they're in a rock band. They are a rock band. Uh, and Poppycorn asks if she can smoke. But don't worry, it's not a cigarette. Uh, she lights up a joint. And uh, as they drive, they see a person in the road walking same direction, opposite side of the road, but same direction, walking down the street with a hoodie on, hood over their, their head. And uh, not or Teresa is like, I don't want to stop. We're not going to stop. Obviously, they're like, oh, you, you want to stop? You want to help them? It's like, I don't think she wants a ride. She's not putting out her thumb. I don't know if she's trying to hitch a ride. So they, they drive. she drives past her, this person, without stopping and as she drives past this person she looks and it looks like her wearing a hoodie um walking down the street and then as they go he turns the radio on again and she's you know poppycorn's like listen that's your radio why why are you turning on this person's radio it's not your car and you know she's trying to you kind of realize that these people in her car in Teresa's car are almost angels on her shoulders right the dude is trying to like t take advantage trying to control the situation where uh poppycorn in the back is on Teresa's side trying to like you know stand up for Teresa right because this dude just turning on a radar is like, listen, that's her car. What are you doing? And he apologizes. Also mentions that, that there's only a quarter tank of gas. So the, already went through a quarter tank. It was a half a tank. Now it's a quarter tank. And they're like, we should, you know, we should stop and get gas. And he's like, no, nah, no, we should just keep going. There's going to be plenty of gas stations. But they decide to stop off. There's a gas station. Um and it's kind of dark inside the open signs on but he's like i'll i'll go in i'll check it out why don't you keep the car running right it's cold out here keep it going i'll go in and check it out so he goes in 
and then Poppycorn's t- asking a lot of questions. It's like, oh, you're, you know, why are you picking people up? It's kind of creepy. Why are you doing that? What do you, what, so tell me about you. What do you, what are your plans for the future? What do you, what are you all about? And of course, Teresa not really wanting to answer all of these questions. And then this random guy shows up, right? Random guy scares him and he's mumbling, no one else, no cars, right? As he's walking and then Poppycorn's like, yeah, you know, rest stops like this. All the crazies come out. You just never know who's walking around, uh, what kind of things can happen at these rest stops. And uh, as they leave, Freedom comes back to the car. He's like, nobody's there. Let's go. Uh, As they leave, even though he said nobody's there, through the window, Teresa could see the clerk staring out the window, terrified, almost giving the same look that the clerk made in Alonka's story when it was being held up, right? So clearly something, so, uh, things, sketchy things are pot- potentially afoot, right? So they drive away, and she starts smelling. She's like, what is that smell? She tries to roll down the window, but the window's not, not rolling down, and then something smashes against or bounces off the windshield, right? And she's like, what was that? And dude's like, I don't know, it was like a bird or something. He's like, yeah, right, at night. And she's like, I don't know what it was. It looked green, but they keep going. And again, there's another person in a hoodie walking down the street. And this time the face is scarier looking. Freaks her out. She swerves. Freedom grabs the wheel to steady the car. And then... They see another gas station, so they're like, "Okay, let's let's uh, let's go." He's like, "Keep the car running again," and Poppycorn's like, "It's your car. Do whatever you want." She wants to get out and get some fresh air because the smell is driving her crazy. And Poppy, like I said, on her side, trying to defend her from this jerk, uh, Freedom Jack. So they get out to get some fresh air, and. Freedom comes out hysterical. Get in the car. Get in the car. Let's go. And as they're going, she's like freaking out. I was like, what happened? He's like, well, what if I killed the clerk just now? And that's why, right? And then he goes into details. Like, what if I, you know, was going to steal beer and they, they stopped me. So I, I smashed their head into the counter, broke their teeth, and then I took one of the bottles and I cut their jugular with it but i you know giving the detail i stood behind them to make sure that the when the blood sprayed it didn't spray at me but it's a good thing i'm wearing dark clothes because even if blood got on me like really freaking her out right telling in detail that he may have killed this this person right maybe she's now the getaway driver of this guy who robbed the first gas station and then in robbing the second one killed the person right i don't she doesn't know she's freaking out so as he's telling her this, he's also threatening to kill her. He's like, yeah, I mean, since you know what we do, we, she knows, Poppycore knows that we can't let you go. We're going to have to kill you as well. And then she starts coughing, you know, losing control of the car again. And then it kind of calms down. He's, he says, oh, you just zoned out. She's like, what happened? What happened? She just zoned out. And she's out of gas, but the car's still going. Right? She's like, she's all confused. 
And he's like, oh, I just stole beer. Didn't I tell you? Like, we stole, I stole some beer, and that's how we got. And he's, like, pretending, like, all of the things he just said. Or maybe he didn't. Maybe she was just hallucinating that. Right? She's confused. And then all of a sudden, it starts raining tennis balls. Right? The thing, basically, whatever she hit before, now it's just raining down on her, on the car. She sees the hoodie person again. Um... And it's even scarier face. Almost looks like an alien face. Definitely scarier. She freaks out. Foot on the gas. And then she stops. There's a kid in the middle of the street. She stops again. Similar to how that dude was standing in the street. She stops and she's looking at this kid. And the dude, Freedom Jack's like, don't get out. This is how they bait you. right? They put a kid in the, the street. And when you get out... They, they get and they kill you. They drive over your body slowly so it breaks all of your bot- bo- you know all of your uh, all of your bones really slow. But she decides to get out. She's like, this kid looks familiar. She gets out and then Poppy Corn decides to join Teresa and they walk after this kid because the kid just bolts. So they walk after this kid. They find another g- gas station. It's all dark and they're like, where is this kid? We got to find this kid. And the, she looks, she's probably in the gas, she's probably in the garage. So then they go over to the garage and Teresa's going to roll up this garage door that's attached to this gas station. And then Freedom Jack runs up and he's like, don't do it. Don't open the door. We should just get out of here. And she opens the garage and it's a car sitting in this garage full of smoke. Right? Garage looks like the garage that Teresa was in when she left to go on this drive. She walks up to the side of the car. She looks in the car, and it's a hoodie person in the car, and it's her in this car. And Poppycorn tells her, you never left the garage. That's you. You're dying. Right? You are. This is you. This is all happening in your head. You went in that car. You turned the car on, filling the garage with exhaust to kill yourself and she finds out that they were parts of her brain the two angels on her shoulder where poppycorn's the part of her is trying to convince herself defending herself trying to convince her to live while the freedom jack part of her brain was trying to convince her to kill herself trying to convince her to keep the car running don't stop the car don't get fresh air right and those are two parts of her brain And then they morph into Teresa. So now it's Teresa talking. And throughout this, Freedom Jack has told her it's going to hurt. It's going to hurt. He says that. He said that multiple times throughout this drive. And again, he says it. And Poppycorn, or the, the positive, the good angel of Teresa, is like, he's right, though. It is going to hurt. He's like, what's going to hurt? Living. It's going to hurt. Living sucks. Living hurts. It's going to hurt to live. Life is fucking hard. Okay? And she wakes up in the car. Right? She's trying to convince. She's like, life is fucking hard, but I'm always going to be there for you. I'm going to always be there to defend you against this part of yourself that's trying to kill you. 
right? This depression side of this suicidal part of your brain. And she wakes up as herself in the car. And she turns the car off, opens the door, falls out of the car, and then struggles to crawl towards the garage door opener, which while I was thinking this, I was like, if there's a garage door opener, there would have been a clicker in the in the car itself, so she could have just stayed in the car and opened the garage in general. Usually, if you got one of those, if your car is parked in the garage, you probably have a garage opener. So I'm just a little whole. If I was Spence in this moment and she was telling this at Midnight Club, I'd be like, well, why, why wouldn't there be the clicker in the car? If you're parking in the garage and you have a remote garage door opener, you would have a clicker. Because when you leave the garage, you got to close the garage door. But that's if I were Spence. Let's get back. So she crawls, reaches up, opens the garage door, rolls up, and just light floods into the garage. You feel the warmth, the exhaust leaving. And uh, she says it was uh, the longest drive and she never left the house. And it was the darkest road, even though she never left the garage. Uh, and in the end, she, she chose to stay. In the end, she chose to live. And she tells, uh, she tells Amesh that, you know, the reality of the story is different. Right? It's, the story is better if she gets out and opens the garage. But that's not what happened in reality. What happened in reality is that she, when she got out of the car... She did make it out of the car, but she never got to the garage door opener. Instead, her mom found her, swollen face, bulging eyes. Her mom gave her CPR, called an ambulance, uh, and she survived. Her mom s saved her life. Uh, she let out a scream that she's only heard before when she found out that her husband died. But her mom is the reason she survived. And... While at the hospital, recovering from this suicide attempt, they discover that she had a different poison in her. She had cancer, which is a slower death, right? She still, she chose to live, right, even though she couldn't make it. But it doesn't matter because cancer is going to kill her anyway. She's going to kill her slower and probably more painfully. And he's happy that she chose to stay a little bit longer, right? He's, he's happy that despite having cancer, that at least she's going to be around a little bit longer. She, she never, if she'd killed himself, she never would have met Amish. And a little selfishly, he's like, I'm glad that you did survive so that we could have this. We can have this moment together. We could have, we have each other in our lives. This never would have happened, Right. And she's talking about how this is like depression for her. Like your brain convinces you to kill yourself, right? Your brain is, is your worst enemy, right? Which for anybody that has severe depression, it's true. Like that part of your brain, that freedom jack part of your brain thinks of all the reasons why you should just kill yourself. Legitimately. I've... I mean, it's through m multiple times throughout my life I've thought about suicide, right? Every time I get really depressed, I I'll even take those, those 
quizzes online, right? How bad is your depression? And it's always like you should contact help. I've never attempted suicide, but if you do, you should call for help, right? If that is like I've never gotten to that point. The closest was when I was in middle school, and I remember putting a, a belt around my neck and then looping it over the bunk bed just to see what it felt like. And I also also do these things where I'd pretend to be dead to see if even the dogs cared if I died. But I've never actually attempted in any way. But I thought about it a lot. I've definitely thought about it. It's definitely like it's definitely an option I have. But you know, life is tough. Life is very hard and it does hurt. It it hurts to to it's it's a brutal reality. Um so they kiss and he's like, you know, she just wants him to know her, right? He wanted to tell her, well, she wanted to tell everybody the story, but specifically she wants him to know who she is, that she is dealing with, she has severe depression. That's why she didn't want to hang out with him. It's nothing to do with him. Um, and that part of that is herself wanting to trying to convince herself to end her life, right? That is she has severe depression right where it's not just i want to sleep i want to unplug myself from reality by sleeping all the time it goes a step further where it's like i want to permanently unplug from reality which is kind of a heavy thing for him to deal with but considering they're both dying anyway of cancer you know hopefully there's some solace with them being together uh, but the end of the episode is Alanka uh, in her room. She hears this crying, this wailing, and she goes through the hallway. She goes down the elevator, goes down to the basement where she hears this, this sound coming from. Uh, dark basement. She's like, anybody there? She reaches for a flashlight that's down there, and she looks around. And in the basement, in the like maze drawing, she sees the old lady shuffling around facing away from her walking away and she's like i'm done with this uh, she goes she confronts the old lady uh as she turns the old lady around like to confront her she realizes in that moment the old lady again turns into kevin this is the second or third time that this old lady has turned into kevin and kevin disoriented confused says oh no not again right so there's clearly some denial going on with kevin obviously why why one of the reasons why he's always quick to blame the drugs blame it on just you know it's just uh, you know always kind of he's on the other side of the spectrum right kind of also doing a confirmation bias of some where he's not willing to believe in these fantastical things happening uh, so that's how this episode ends. So we will see what that means. Obviously, this is not the first time. Maybe he's woken up in different places. Uh, but it's definitely not the first time we've seen her approach what seems to be the old lady and it, and it turning into Kevin. Which, also how this episode starts, the old lady and the old man are really you know they're not don't seem to be actively trying to scare her right they seem to be nice old people 
Uh, but anyway, that's the end of this episode. We will see what happens into the second, the pan ultimate episode uh, next week, episode nine, the eternal enemy. Ooh. See what happens then. Oh, you're just going to have to stick around to be continued. Just going to have to live a little bit longer. Duh. New episodes of The Ray Taylor Show come out every single day. Subscribe on YouTube and everywhere our podcasts are found. Binge the full week over at InspiredDisorder.com slash plus. Buy Ray Taylor Show merch over at InspiredDisorder.com. Have a wonderful day, everybody. Peace. Ouch! Today is the day where you wake up and you realize that everything that you've been dreaming about, everything that you've been wanting, every goal and wish and hope that you've ever had can become real. Dreams can come true. What you manifest in your mind, you can bring to reality.